Father God in heaven, let your spirit overflow in us this morning. Lord, let us come here not out of ritual or religion or tradition, but let us meet with you this morning, God. Holy Spirit, Spirit of the living God, consume our hearts our minds, our passions. Lord, if there's people that are here that are lukewarm, I pray that you set them on fire. If there's people that are here that are not sure about their salvation, I pray that you save them. Father, I pray that we press deeply into you today as we look at your Holy Spirit and we look at the battle within us. God, set your fire in our hearts by your Spirit. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may have a seat. How's everybody doing this morning? Great. It's been a really great week at Calvary Chapel, Irmo. A lot of things taking place, things we're planning, things we're working on, and we're just uh, super excited to what the Lord is doing here. But um, as always, I'm sure every pastor says this, I always look forward to Sunday morning. I always look forward to rubbing shoulders with my brothers and sisters, and especially when we have communion, then we get into the word, and then to top it off, we get to feast together after service. Amen? Mexican food. So if you're visiting with us, you didn't bring anything, no sweat. We got you covered. Uh, today, you get to save that money on a restaurant and eat with us. Amen? Turning your Bibles this morning to Galatians chapter 5. This morning, we're looking at Galatians chapter 5, verses uh, 16 through 26. We'll be finishing up uh, chapter 5, and hopefully, Lord willing, uh, we'll finish up Galatians chapter 6 next week or possibly over the next two weeks, depending on um, what all's there. So Galatians chapter 5, let's read verses 16 and 17 so you kind of know where we're going this morning. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. Question for you this morning. Is anybody in a fight? I'm not talking about a physical fight now. Me and Dan, are, we're not going out back and knocking each other out. Well, Dan's giving me a head now. We might be later on. <laughs> But uh, how many of you guys are in a fight spiritually? You know, we all go through fights. Your Bible, my Bible, our Bible, it describes the believer as being in a fight, as being in a battle. Listen to 1 Timothy 6.12. It says, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you are called, and you may the good confession, and the presence of many witnesses. Paul says in 1 Timothy 6, 12, he says, fight the good fight. In other words, this ain't, it's not a vacation. We're in a fight. When you become a Christian, you know, before you were going down the river, you were going with the flow of the world. But when you, when you got saved, you did a U-turn for Christ, and you started going against the flow. And a lot of times, as a Christian, it is a fight. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 and 12 Talking about this army and being in battle and being in a fight. Paul says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, 
but against the rulers and against powers and against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. As a Christian, you have an enemy. You have an enemy. And he seeks to kill, steal, and destroy your walk with Christ. There is Satan, and there is his demons. And I believe, as the scripture teaches, he dispatches his demons to try to trip believers up, to try to stop their walk with Christ. He puts things in our past. The Bible talks about several battles. There's several battles that um, a believer goes through. One, let's, talk, let's go with three. First battle is the battle for the lost. Our goal, our battle for the lost, there is a battle in taking the gospel to our friends and our loved ones and those people we work with. It's a fight, and it's not easy because there's spiritual forces coming against us. So that's the first battle, the battle for the lost. The second battle is our, the spiritual warfare that Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter 6, where we wrestle against uh, dark forces and against demons in living out our Christian life. I, I like to call that external battle, where we're praying for people to get saved, where we're praying that people get delivered, where, where we're praying that people get rescued from the bondage they're in. We're doing battle in the heavenlies. But that's not the battle I'm talking about this morning. The, the battle I'm talking about is the third battle. And that's the battle that's in this room. And that battle is the battle that's in your heart. You know, we have a battle on the inside. We think we, we, think we got it all together, and sometimes we present that image on the outside all as well. But deep down inside of us, the Bible teaches that there is an inner struggle. There's an inner fight. And that fight is not eradicated when you get saved. You receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit comes into your life. He gives you new desires, a new heart, a new, a new life. But there's still this thing inside of us the Bible talks about. It's called the flesh. And it's that old sinful man that wants to rise his head up from time to time. Sometimes we let him up. Sometimes he comes up. But there's a war going on within us between doing good and doing bad. Chapter 5, verses 16 through 26 that we're looking at this morning, is, is, is the Apostle Paul sets it up like this. He sets it up as a command and a conflict. And the command is to walk by the Spirit. The conflict is the flesh, is our, is our carnal nature. So what Paul's going to do in these verses, in this passage here, he's going to lay out to us a straightforward and strategic plan to win the battle. You want to win the battle? You want to win? You want to kick Satan in the teeth and live in victory? Let's do it. Let's pray first before we go into the word. Lord, thank you for your word um, as we look at it now, verse by verse. Um, strengthen us, encourage us. And Father, I pray that um, you'll teach us this morning how to walk in your spirit. Just give us the plain and simple truths of your word, let them apply them to our heart, and Lord, help us to grow in this area and, win, and have the victory. In Jesus' name we pray, Lord God. Amen. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. The first seven words says, but I say, here it is, here's our command, walk by the Spirit. Now why does he say walk by the Spirit? Because Paul knows as a Christian, you cannot do it on your own. You can, okay, let me repeat that. You cannot live the Christian life on your own, meaning in your own strength, in your own power. You need this person 
called the Holy Spirit living inside of you to, in order to live the Christian life. Jesus said, listen to John chapter 14, verses 16 through 17, Jesus' prayer. He says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. So I say we can't live this Christian life on our own without the power of the Holy Spirit. We need him. The Greek word for um, helper here is parakletos. It means he's our comforter. He, he's our advocate. And this is what the Holy Spirit does. One of the main things he does. We're going to talk about some of the different things he does. But one of the main things I believe the Holy Spirit does, he empowers you to live for Jesus. Because like I said a while ago, you can't do it in your own strength. You need the Spirit's power. So number one this morning is you cannot live the Spirit-filled life. You cannot live for Jesus victoriously without the Holy Spirit's power. Well, David, what does that look like? I thought when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, he came into my life. You did, and he is in you. But you have to yield, submit. You have to surrender to him, really on a daily basis. Because that, that war is so real, man. If we go a couple days without the word and without praying, next thing you know, we're walking carnal. We're walking, car we're walking carnally. We're walking in the flesh. And we've got to be submitted to his Holy Spirit. Another thing the Holy Spirit does when we yield to him, he reminds us of Scripture. He reminds us of what's written in the word of God. John 14, 26, Jesus' words again uh, the night before he was betrayed. Talking to his disciples, he says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Now, I know that this passage, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he's saying, Hey, later on, I'm going to remind you of everything I said so that you can write it down and give us the canon of Scripture, give us the Bible. But I also believe it, it can apply to us. Because when we walk by the Spirit, it says... I believe he says to us, he will teach us all things, and he'll bring to our remembrance all that he said. This, my friend, is why you study the Bible. This is why we make a big deal about studying the Bible at Calvary Chapel. It gives the Holy Spirit something to work with. You know what I'm saying? Just by us, uh, just by us men sitting around that table and studying, going through the book of First and Second Samuel, whether you realize it or not, that word is getting into your mind, it's getting into your heart, and there's going to be a time coming in the future where the Holy Spirit's going to remind you of what we studied in the Bible. These past couple of weeks, we've been studying uh, King David's fall with Bathsheba. Oh, so many lessons to be learned. So many things the Lord can remind us of when we face future temptation. The Holy Spirit, I believe, will take those things that you learn in a Bible study and will remind you of what's written in the Scripture that's important. The Holy Spirit will remind you, not new revelation, but he will remind you of what's written in the word. So God uses uh, the Bible study. Continuing on in verse 16, he says, he says and I believe when you do this, when you walk by the Spirit, verse 16, he says, you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. 
We need the Spirit of God and we need the Word of God to help us say no to the flesh. You gotta have them both. They work together. The Holy Spirit inspired, inspired the scriptures, inspired the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation. It's infallible, it's inerrant, and the Holy Spirit uses it in in our daily lives. He says, you will not carry out. Notice it does not say, you will not be tempted. Okay? Christian, you're facing temptation. You're facing trials and temptation. Welcome to the battle. Welcome to the battle. Romans 8 one says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We face temptation too. I've repented and shook off the old chains of, of sin and temptation. But from time to time, they'll come and confront me again and tempt me again. I submit to the word of God. I yield to the Holy Spirit, and he gives me the victory. He gives me the power to dig down deep and say, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to worship you, Lord, in the moment, and I'm going to say no to the sin. And I let the Holy Spirit do his work. Amen? All right, that's one verse. Verse 17. Verse 17. He says, here it is, the battle, guys. Here, here's your verse to know there, there's a battle going on inside of us. Verse 17. For the flesh sets its desires against the Spirit, capital S, talking about the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. Welcome to the fight. Welcome to the fight. Welcome to the battle. You know, um, you know, matter of fact, a sign that you're a believer and that you're moving forward in the Lord is that you're in the fight. Is that you're slaying them dragons. And, and, and you're fleeing and running from sin. And you're doing everything you can to get out, get, get, get out and get away from it. You're confessing it to God. You're praying. You're seeking accountability. You're, you're working and moving forward. But there's a battle within. The, Holy, the Spirit versus the flesh. Good versus evil, righteousness versus unrighteousness, pleasing God versus um, not pleasing God. Do you ever find it hard sometimes to do the right thing? I do. I do in my daily life. When I come up with a struggle, I, I get faced with a situation, and there's that thing inside of me that I know the right thing, but I don't want to do it. I don't, there's this angst in me. It's called the flesh that old carnal man rearing his ugly head and I, and I struggle and I find it hard a great commentary on this subject of the battle within I started to bring it into my, my, my preaching this morning but I would it was just there was just so much there I was like we can't cover all that I want to encourage you and challenge you to go home and study Romans chapter 7 Romans chapter 7 the apostle Paul lays out a complete commentary on this battle within I want to give you one verse that Paul shares and uh, says in, in Romans chapter 7, verse 19. Paul says, For the good that I want, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. My friend, if Paul struggled, we ain't we in good company. We're in the same boat. We str he struggled, we're going to struggle. All believers struggle. It's, it's a fight. Again, welcome to the fight. Verse 18. He says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Wow. Uh, it's like Paul is, 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 but if you are led by the Spirit, he, he, when he says, you are not under the law, 
I believe what Paul had in mind as, he, as he's writing this is the Holy Spirit is inspiring it. He had the Israelites in mind. He says, you are led by the Spirit. You are not under the law. In other words, thinking about the Israelites, how did they try to please God? They tried to please God in their flesh. They, they, they saw the Mosaic law, and without the Spirit, without a heart change, they tried to do their best to please God. But the problem is they were doing it in the flesh. They were doing it in the flesh. And that does not work. That does not work. Because why? We need a heart change. The ancient Israelites needed a heart change that they were promised in Jeremiah. You and I today, living in the New Testament, living in the era of grace, we need a heart change. If not, if you're trying to live for Jesus in your own strength, in the in your own strength, in your own power, it's like you're under the law. It's like you're, you're, you're trying to do it in your flesh. When you, when you and I try to obey God in our own strength, we're doing the same thing they did, trying to do it in our own power and not by the Spirit. But my friend, just I, was, I would say to them, and I'm sure the, and the prophets did, Jeremiah did, but I say to you this morning, there's a better way. There, there's a better way. There's a supernatural way. That's, and that is verse 18 the, the introduction of verse 18 is to be led by the Spirit. Now, David, Pastor David, what does that look like? Well, first you receive the Holy Spirit when you get saved, okay? He comes and he dwells inside your heart. But then you have to yield to him. You have to yield to him on a daily basis. There is nothing wrong with waking up in the morning in your devotion time and saying, Lord, I love you, I praise you, help me submit to you today. And literally, physically, in your heart, in your mind, make a decision. I'm going to yield to you today. Holy Spirit, I give this day to you. If, if I go astray, remind me. Guide me, direct me, and, and use me for your glory. If you, if you yield and submit to the Holy Spirit, check this out. God will take over the battle. I asked in the very beginning of my sermon, I says, who's in a battle? Who's in a fight? If you're in that fight, yield to the Lord. Say, Holy Spirit, I give you this day. I give you my life. I give you my heart. Please take over this battle. I can't do it no more. I can't do it in my own strength. Do that. And watch him go to work. This weekend, I watched the movie Lone Survivor for the second time. Just a really heart-wrenching movie about these five Navy SEALs who fight the Taliban in the mountains of Afghanistan. Five Navy SEALs, 200 Taliban. They're fighting in the ravine, and the, the Navy SEALs killed a lot of the Taliban, but they killed, four, they killed three of the Navy SEALs, and there was one left. His name was Marcus Luttrell, and they just pulverized him down the mountain ravines, and... Um, they, they, they follow him, and they keep shooting him. And as a Navy SEAL, he keeps on firing back. And uh, he sustained, I don't know, like four or five bullet wounds. He was paralyzed from his chest down. But he was able to crawl for two miles. He was able to crawl for two miles. And this ha and it happened in, in the real life, in the real event, but it was also in the movie they presented it. But anyway, at the very end, as he's going down into the ravine, he just falls into this creek bed of water. He just splashes into the water. He was done. He was spent. He was done. He was spent. He, what, there was no more. He could hear 
the Taliban coming off the mountain ridge, way off in the distance because of the way the valleys were set up and the ridges were set up. And then all of a sudden, when he was done, completely spent, this Afghan villager reaches out and says, me no Taliban, come with me. And Marcus Luttrell, with no more strength, no more ammo, bleeding profusely from his whole body, paralyzed waist down, he takes the, the, the Afghan, he, 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 he takes hands with the Afghan villager, and the Afghan villager takes Marcus Luttrell, takes him back to their camp and protects him. They, 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 they take him back, they um, put him in the Afghan villager's home, they mend his wounds, they redress him with clothing, they give him water, they give him food. The Taliban uh, comes from all angles and, and tries to kill him. And th- these were peaceful. These were good Afghan people. These were good Afghan villagers. These weren't the Taliban people. But anyway, they did everything they could to, to protect Marcus Luttrell. They, they would not let the Taliban get to him. And they protected him. And he was paralyzed. And what a beautiful picture of what God does for us. When we come to the end of our road, when we come to the end of our strength, when we have nothing left... Marcus Luttrell, he fell in that that creek, in that water. There was nothing else. He was going to die right there because he had nothing left. But then this Afghan villager reaches down and says, come with me. And that's what God does for us in our battle. When we have no more strength left, when we have nothing left in the gas tank in this life, God, by the Holy Spirit, says, come on. I'll pick you up and I'll take you. For the rest of that two or three weeks until he was rescued by special forces, he was completely, um, I mean, he was paralyzed, he couldn't do anything, but he was completely taken care of by those local villagers. And what a beautiful picture of grace. What a beautiful picture of what the, the Holy Spirit does for us. As I said a while ago, relating that story to what God does, God takes over the battle when you yield to him. When you submit to him. So many times, man. I can't tell you how many times I've blown this. Where I take the battle in my own hand. I say, I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to fix this problem. It could be dealing with family. It could be dealing with work. It could be dealing with church. It could be doing anything. And I want to take it in my own hands and do it in my own strength. And, and, and where I should be saying, Lord, I give this to you. Holy Spirit, I surrender to you. My heart can't take this no more. I'm spent. I'm done. I surrender to you. That's what the Lord wants us to do with our battles. Whether they're battles in this world, things going on in your life, whether it's sin and temptation, you just surrender and submit to him and let him take care of you. Amen? Uh, This is why I believe believers uh, live in defeat at times. Because they're not submitting and they're not yielding and they're not surrendering to the Holy Spirit. They're taking it and doing it in their own strength. And I'm there. I'm there. I've done it so many times. And then I'm kicking myself later on. Why didn't I give this to the Lord and let him take care of it? He's he's a sovereign, omnipotent, almighty, eternal, sovereign, good, perfect, heavenly father who will take care of us when we yield and we submit to him. Zechariah 4.6 
Zechariah 4, 6, second half of the verse, we've heard this verse many times. It says, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And what he's saying there in Zechariah, he's saying, not by my power, not by my strength, but by your spirit, by your Holy Spirit dwelling in me will this thing get accomplished. Because you know what happens then? God gets all the glory. And we don't want the glory. As, as a Christian, as a servant, as, as a believer, you don't want to ever take the glory for yourself. You want to let him receive all the glory. You want his power. You want his wisdom. You want his strength. Yield and submit to the, um, the Holy Spirit, to being led by the Spirit, as our, as our passage says. I believe the greatest change the greatest change that comes, that takes place when we yield and we submit to the Holy Spirit is this. It's found in the Holy Spirit's name. The Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God, when we yield and submit to him, he makes you holy. He moves you forward in what we call sanctification. And moving you closer to Jesus. Moving you closer in your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Helping you to go deeper in the word and helping you to move farther and farther away from the works of the flesh. But he makes us holy. Uh, the Holy Spirit dwelling in our hearts and yielding to him, we long for the holiness of God. Lord, I hunger for holiness. I hunger to be set apart, to be used by you, to th throw off those old things that held me captive whether it was sexual immorality, uh, not always placing him first, dishonoring our parents, breaking all the commandments, breaking all of God's laws. He sets us apart and he gives us a desire to obey him. The very beginning of my sermon, I said that the Apostle Paul sets this passage up as a command and a conflict. That, my brothers and sisters, is the command. That is the command. The command is to be filled and led by the Holy Spirit. And to walk in the Spirit. Now, we're going to shift gears. Uh, verse 19, we're going to shift gears. And we're going to look at the conflict. Let's look at the conflict. The, these are, this is sin. Sin will destroy you. On the battlefield as a believer, in the battlefield of life, these are landmines. These are, land, these are landmines that will take your legs off. But what we're fixing to read here... This is what keeps the world in darkness. This is what keeps people from seeing the light and the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 19, let's take a look at it, the works of the flesh. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, and sensuality. This first group, these first three, is, is, is a grouping. And these are sexual sins. And they fall under, these are children, that I like to call them, these are three children of the seventh commandment. The seventh commandment says, you shall not commit adultery, right? So these are, these, are, these are children. All sin can find its origin as a child under the Ten Commandments. But these fall under the seventh commandment, which says, you shall not commit adultery. Immorality, uh, the Greek word is porneia. It means adultery, uh, fornication, homosexuality. It, 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 it means uh, sex outside of marriage. Any type of sexual activity outside of a husband and wife. And to include uh, bestiality, homosexuality, impurity. The word impurity means unclean. Uh, this is what sexual immorality does. 
to people. It makes them unclean. And the third word there is sensuality. That word sensuality, it, it means um, the, the, the picture is, is a burning, uh, a person burning with lust. It, their, their mind and their heart is consumed with sexual immorality, whether it be homosexuality, fornication, adultery. It's, it's, it's just they're eaten up. It's the driving force in their life. That's what the word sensuality. This past Wednesday night, the past couple of weeks, we've been studying um, King David's fall. King David's fall of Bathsheba. And I shared with the men this past Wednesday night, I was like, listen, guys, if you face this area of temptation, if you face the temptation to lust or to commit adultery or any kind of sexual fornication, I said, here's my advice for you. I want you to drive down St. Andrews Road, about three miles. I want you to take a right on Harbison Boulevard. Go down to Harbison Boulevard about a quarter mile and turn into Target. Inside there, there's a place called the Shoe Carnival. I want you to go inside the Shoe Carnival. I want you to get the very best pair of New Balance shoes you can find. And I want you to run. I want you to run. Run from that sin. Run. Because it destroys lives. And men... Whatever it is, whatever it is that's tempting you in this area, we've got to slay the dragon. Got to get it out. Got, you know, uh, whether it's computers, uh, magazines, um, wherever the temptation is, eliminate it. Eliminate it. Get rid of it so it doesn't. Because, man, that stuff... That immorality, especially sexual immorality, man, it contaminates the heart, it contaminates the mind, it wrecks lives, it wrecks families, and it's, it's just a, a sin that we need to run from. But these are the deeds of the flesh, immorality, impurity, sensuality. The second group, which starts off with verse 20, I say these fall under the first and second commandment. The first commandment says, um, you shall have no other God... Uh, you shall place me first, is the first commandment. The second commandment, you shall have no other God before me. So the second group, this is, these are religious in nature. Verse 20, idolatry and sorcery. Well, Pastor David, I don't bow down to no golden calf. I, I ain't had a problem there, so I'm good there. But, I mean, that is idolatry. But idolatry is this, guys. You ready? It's anything we place before Jesus. It could be our family, it could be our job, it could be sports, it could be anything that we place above the Lord. We're, he is supposed to be first in our life. And anything that we place above Jesus can be idolatry. The next one there, sorcery, uh, witchcraft, seances, demonic activity. Don't tell me it's not real. I've seen, I've seen it, it rear its ugly head in, in witchcraft and seance. There is an evil, dark force out there in the area of, of witchcraft and seances and demonic activity. And that falls under this one right here, sorcery. We have no business playing any part in any type of sorcery, any type of witchcraft, any type of seances, any kind of demonic activity. And anything that even comes close to it, I would run from it. I would stay from it. I'd stay away from it. I wouldn't let it in my house. I wouldn't. That's sorcery. 
idolatry, sorcery. It's these religious things that we're, we're called to, um, that are called the works of the flesh. The third group, part of the way through verse 20, I, I think these deal with human relations. These deal with human relations. And they are enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes and dissension, uh, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and, and, and things like these. This is a, these are a these are a complete unbridled. These are complete unbridled emotions that cause division. Enmities. That's a that's a hateful attitude. Now let's see. He's not talking about here getting upset and getting mad at someone. That's not what he's talking about here. He is talking about that hateful anger where you're just bent in anger and it eats you up and it affects your life. That's the hateful. Anger that, he's, that, that Anemones talks about. There's strife. This is that person who lives for bitter conflicts. They're, they're just a, a dividing person, and, and they're bitter about it in their conflicts with one another. And these other ones, jealousy. Jealousy. Being Living a life, this, you're just jealous of everyone. There should be one thing that pleases our hearts. There should be one thing that keeps our hearts content. And that is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And there, there's nothing greater. If you've got him, you've got everything. Outburst of anger. This is just that raving, mad person. The kind of person like, whoa, I don't want to be around him or don't want to be around her. They're just raving, mad. Anger eats them up. Disputes. Dissensions. Division, factions, um, envying, drunkenness, um, carousing. There's, there's just this total, just uncontrolled life. It's just whatever goes, whatever. I, I, I'm just going with the flow of the world. And they let these things control. These are the deeds of the flesh. Now, Paul, I want you all to look at this. Paul has a very firm warning to us at the second half of verse 21. Let's take a look at it together. Verse 21, of which I forewarn you, just as I have, just I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And the apostle Paul makes a similar statement in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. But here, the idea Listen to me closely. The idea, the idea here in this verse is not a single act of hatred or lust. Does not mean you're not a Christian. Does not mean you're not saved. What Paul is saying here is a man who, who a man who walks habitually in the flesh shows he does not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. The key word in that passage is says he who practices such things. It's a way of life. This person is very easy to spot. They continue in sin. They live for sin. They love sin. They enjoy sin. It's a way of life. This person will go so far as to say, God's okay with this. God's okay with this. When the scripture clearly says it's not. You know, this is, this is, this is not a believer in the fight. This is not a believer in the struggle. This is a believer who's just moving forward and just drinking it in like it's milk. Or an, an unbeliever that's just moving forward and, and drinking it in. So how do we win the fight? 
How do we win the fight? Number one, you get saved. You surrender your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. When you do that, the Holy Spirit comes into your life. Number two, you surrender to the Spirit on a daily, weekly basis. Say, Lord, I need you. Open your heart, calm down, and fill me with your Spirit. Set me on fire again. Shake me up. Stir me up. And then number three, be like a tree and grow in the Lord. And what happens when a tree grows? What happens when a tree grows? It produces fruit. Yes, it produces fruit. Look at verse 22. What we're fixing to look at now, this is what the Holy Spirit will do in your life as you submit and yield to him. Okay? As you live out the Christian life and you get into the word and you yield to God and you yield to his spirit. And, and, and the cool thing about this, a tree does not force its fruit out. A tree doesn't go, it, don't, does it, it doesn't do that, does it? A tree takes that water up out of the ground. It comes up through the trunk and it goes out in the branches and it just goes. And it produces this beautiful fruit that we all like to go up to and pick the fruit. That's what it is with the Christian life. He will produce this in you when you submit to him. Let's look at it, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. The first thing the Holy Spirit gives to us as we yield and submit to him, he gives us the agape love of God in our hearts. What a beautiful thing to give. That's what the Holy Spirit does. It's what it says in your Bible. It's what it says in my Bible. He gives us love. He gives us love for all people. He gives us love for brothers and sisters in Christ and the church. He gives us love for our neighbors. He gives us love for the unsaved. He gives us a love for people. For people. Next one, the fruit of the Spirit is joy. The Holy Spirit gives us joy. He gives us joy deep down inside of our hearts despite our circumstances. Independent of our circumstances. He gives us that inner joy knowing that we're filled with him and that we're living for him, we, he gives us joy. Peace, patience, kindness. The Holy Spirit gives us peace. You know, the Holy Spirit, when he comes into our life, not only does he work on our flesh and that, the way we live, but he works on our mind. And the Holy, one of the fruits of the Spirit is he gives us peace in our minds. He gives us peace in our hearts. Not to mention the peace he gave us with God through Jesus Christ, but he gives us peace. You can have peace in the storm. You know, you're going through a storm, you're going through a difficult trial, you're going through something really, really bad, go to your prayer room. Go to your prayer room and submit to him and say, Lord, I need peace. This is happening with my children. This is happening with my job. I need your peace and let his peace come over you. Patience. He gives us patience. Who doesn't need patience, right? You know, dealing with people is, is, is always, we always need all the help we can get with dealing with, with, with people and dealing with our children and dealing with our parents and dealing with our family and everyone. Patience. Kindness. Kindness and goodness. Uh, we're kind-hearted to people. We're, we're um, not mean. That we're, there, there's, there's goodness. In other words, our, um, our motives are pure. 
when we have, when we have the Holy Spirit working in us and there's goodness. Our, our motives are pure. We want the best for you. You want the best for me. When Robert says, I want the best for you, and he has this, it means he has good intentions for me. I have good intentions for him. Faithfulness. Number one, the Holy Spirit uh, and, the, and this, this fruit of faithfulness. Number one is faithfulness to Jesus Christ. Number one. That's, that's foremost, number one. But it's also faithfulness in what do we put our hands to and our commitments and our, and our reliability. But we're, we're a faithful person because the Holy Spirit does that in us. Verse 23 he says, uh, gentleness. I, I, I looked up Vine's dictionary on this one, and I just love this definition it gave. For, for gentleness, it says this, goodness of heart towards each other. Does that sound beautiful? Goodness of heart towards one another. You know, we live in a world where it's eat or be eaten, step on or be stepped on. But man, what if we lived in a world that we surrounded ourselves with people and we were the type of people that had goodness of heart towards others? You know, we're, we're always trying to better ourselves in life. We're always trying to move forward. And I don't know about you, but man, I can use, I can use all the help I can get. I, can, I could use help in this area. And there's nothing better than when a brother or sister comes along and gives you good advice. And then you see in their heart, and you're like, thank you so much. Thank you so much for bringing that to my attention. Thank you so much for helping me with that. So there's, there, there's goodness of heart towards one another. So, uh, the next one, self-control. Man, who doesn't need help there? Self-control is discipline. It's discipline. It's, it's controlling your emotions, controlling your heart. It's, it's controlling your actions. It's um, surrendering to the Lord, surrendering to the Holy Spirit, and Him giving you the ability to not lash out. It's like somebody upsets you, you want to lash out, but he's, he gives you self-control and he gives you the ability to, to exercise that self-control and not hurt. But self-control is important. It's a, it's a discipline. He said, and against such things there is no law. You know, the, uh, the, against, against such things, there is no law. In other words, these are the life of God. These are the Holy Spirit at work in the Spirit-filled believer's life. And we need them. Man, do we need them to, to grow. And remember, the key to growing in these areas is, yeah, learn about them, be aware of them, and know what the Word says, but yield to the Holy Spirit. Because it says, in the, the first six words of verse 22, it says, it doesn't say, but the fruit of David Ford, or the, or, or the fruit of Warren. It says the fruit of the Spirit. So let, let the Spirit do his work in our lives. Verse 24 and 25, he says, Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires, and if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. A beautiful picture of the gospel right here. You know, what do we do with, with our flesh? What do we do with our passions and our desires? In verse 24, we take them to the cross. We, we take them to Jesus Christ where he was crucified, where we are forgiven. Then after Jesus forgives us of our sins 
and cleanses us and does this thing, what we call justification. He takes us and he hands us off to the Holy Spirit. Verse 24, being forgiven at the cross. And in verse 25, Jesus hands us off to the Holy Spirit. Verse 25, and if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. In other words, if, if, if we live by the Spirit, if we believe in the Holy Spirit, we believe that he is in us, and we believe that the Word of God is true, he says, let us also walk by the Spirit. In other words, let us put it into action. How many of y'all know what happened to Dr. Uh, Tony Evans a week and a half ago? Dr. Tony Evans, he lost his niece a week and a half ago to, to a tragedy. She just stopped breathing. She passed away um, a week and a half ago. And the, um, it was very sad. Me and my wife, we sat and we watched the video of the family being interviewed and being talked to. And uh, very crushing. She uh, left behind a husband, I think three or four daughters, and um, when, when they were interviewing Dr. Tony Evans, uh, they said, Dr. Tony Evans, says, what got you through? What, what helped you get, what, what's, what's helping you get through this? You know what he said? He said, I believe what I preach. I believe what I preach. I, I, I believe it. And I know that all things work together for the good of good. For the good of those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose. I know that she's in a place called heaven, and that gives me strength. He took, Dr. Evans took what he knows from Scripture, what he knows to be true, and he lived it out. And me and you are supposed to do the same thing when it comes to living the Spirit-filled life. Verse 25, if we live by the Spirit, if you believe in the Holy Spirit, and you believe what the Word of God says about him, and you believe he's in you, Look at the second half of the verse. Let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us understand that he is in us, and let's move forward in that. Amen? Verse 26, he says, And let us not become boastful or challenging one another and envying one another. In other words, what he's saying, guys, is, man, let's let the flesh go, and let's walk in the Spirit. Let's walk in truth. Let's walk in love. Let's walk in holiness. Let's walk in commitment to one another. Let's let the carnality, let's let it go. Because it's, it's such a, a thorn in our sides. It's, it's such a, a difficult thing to deal with. Let us not be these things. What I present to you this morning from our text is this. There is a fight. There is a fight that takes place according to scripture in your heart. We come to church on Sundays you know, I give Sung June a fist pump. He gives me a fist pump back. How you doing, brother? I'm doing great. How you doing? You know, but I know inside his heart, he faces battles. Well, guess what? Pastor David does too. Pastor David does too. On a weekly basis, I face struggles. I face battles. According to Romans chapter 7, the beautiful commentary on this truth, there is a battle within and how you're going to win that battle is by yielding and submitting to the Holy Spirit and saying, Lord, take over. And then fill your mind with Scripture. And then the Holy Spirit's going to take what you learn in Scripture, and he's going to remind you of it. And I believe it's going to lead you to victory. Amen? Amen. Take this to heart. I hope I've stirred some people. I hope um, I've spurred you on to read your Bible 
to get into Bible study, to get into fellowship. And let it be your prayer every day. Lord, I surrender to you. I submit to you. Lord, whatever I face today as I go about my busy day, I know that you're going to take care of it because I'm giving it to you now. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Father, for what we've seen in your word, this battle, the battle in our hearts, the spirit versus the flesh. Lord, I pray for those who are struggling. I pray, Lord, that you will give them victory through what we've studied this morning. I pray that you, Holy Spirit, that you'll apply this to our lives. I pray, Holy Spirit, and I know you will do it, Lord, that you'll even remind them of these truths. This week, some of us are going to be out and about. And we're going to be reminded of what we studied this morning. And in that moment, we'll be able to give it to you. Lord, we love you and we praise you. And we thank you for the study of your word and the building up of the saints. In Jesus' name I pray, Father. Amen.